Say it with me. Caesarea. Caesarea. The Romans were in power and they had built a capital city or Herod had built a capital city in the land of Naphtali. And from that place, the government of Rome ruled. So if you were caught or whatever happened to you and you were indicted or anything, you were a, an enemy of Rome, they would take you up here and try you, ultimately convict you and more than likely murder you. And so it was a land that was under the shadow of death. It was a land that was under the boot and the heel of the Romans. And they didn't play. I don't know if you know that or not. Romans' life was cheap. You didn't matter. Your kids didn't matter. They would, you, you couldn't pay your taxes to Caesar. You know what they'd do? Anybody know? They'd take your child. And they come back next year, and you don't have taxes to pay Caesar. You know what they'd do? They'd take your next child. Then they'd take your wife. Then they'd take, they'd take everything you had until you had nothing. You couldn't put them off till next year. They, Roman tax collector shows up. Hey, yo, where is it? Where is it? Oh, we don't have it. Oh, let's see how many kids you got. All right, we'll take this one. Boom, gone. You never see him again. You didn't get to appeal that. You didn't get to talk to anybody about that. It's just what they did. A Roman could kill you in the street. If you were a non-Roman citizen, you could literally be summarily executed by a Roman and there would be no recourse upon the Roman soldier at all. Is a land in a time of death, a time in a time, a time of violence. And God said, into this place, I'm going to shine a light. Jesus spent most of his ministry up here in this land of Galilee. He was born in Bethlehem, which Bethlehem is like right in here. And he was born, but he lived up here. He spent most of his time up there. And God said, wherever, where there's been contempt and where there's been pain and where there's been oppression, I am going to bring glory. I'm going to bring goodness. No gift like that, is there? This isn't just a physical time. This isn't just a historical time. This is a prophetic meaning. The same God that brings glory to that time is the same God that can bring glory to your life. It's the same God that can lift the boot of oppression off of you. Because if you're a Christian, the boot of oppression is already broken. You may not be living like it because you don't know who you are. You may not be living like it because you don't know what's been done for you. And if you're not a Christian, I beseech you, I encourage you to become one so that you too can inherit not just the forgiveness of sins, but the entitlement and the birthright of a son and daughter. Next slide, please. So we're going to look at this. You guys having fun so far? Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is a lot better than Jingle Bells, right? We're going to come at it. In the midst of judgment, there shall be promise. So promises, where there is contempt, there will be glory. He will be a light in the darkness. You have multiplied the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you like the joy of the harvest. What's saying is when this, when this deliverer brings deliverance into the lives of the people, there is going to be joy. As men who rejoice and divide the spoil of battle. He's going to multiply his rulership and increase his joy. What happens is this, like this is what it looks like. You receive Jesus as Lord, okay? You don't receive Jesus in your mind, you receive him in your heart. Do you know that? Do you know there's a big difference? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a big difference of what you know in your mind and what you believe in your heart. Completely different. Look at your wife this Christmas and go, baby, I love you with my mind and see how far that gets you. It's not going to get you very far. There's a big difference between your head and your heart. The Bible says when you believe in Christ and you let Jesus come into your heart, he establishes rulership over you. You are no longer are the same person. He frees you. Not only does he free you, but as you begin to give more and more areas of your life to him, he increases his rulership. There's lots of Christians where Jesus is Lord of their heart, but he's not Lord of their time. He's not Lord of their money. He's not Lord of their body. He's not Lord of anything else, but oh, we'll come to church and Jesus can be Lord of my heart and he can save me. Jesus isn't interested solely in salvation. 
He's interested in increasing his rulership to where our lives reflect who we are in him, to where our time reflects how we are to live. Everything, every, everything about us, our attitudes, our words. We have to bring our words under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Ouch. <laughs> you mean I got to take down that Facebook post? Probably. Yeah, you might want to take that. He will be a light in the darkness to those in the shadow of death. He will multiply. Not only is his desire, Christian, if you're here this morning and somebody told you all you need and all you're called to do is believe in Christ and you're safe, this is true. If you're a Christian here this morning, I'm here to tell you there's a whole lot more. You can say it with me. There's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more. And you know it. If you got Christ in your heart, you know there's more. You know it. And you're hungry for it and you're searching for it. You say, how do you know that? Because when you receive Jesus, he puts his spirit inside of you. Christianity is like no other. Buddha don't put his spirit in you. Krishna ain't putting his spirit in you. Well, then you might have some spirits, but you ain't having anything like that. I'm here to tell you, Jesus puts his spirit in you. This is what separates Christianity from everything else on the planet. is because Christ comes in you and you're alive. Say, how do you know Jesus is real? Because he lives in me, man. He lives in me. I am born again. Anybody here? Can I get anybody here know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're going to get a chance to open up a gift that's beyond your wildest dreams. It's a gift of transformation. The guilt, the shame, the burden, the pains, the anguish of your life can be lifted off of you. And you can enter into a doorway of a life beyond a, a destiny, into purpose. It's not easy. It's not easy. We don't all float around on pillows, right? Eating cotton candies and singing My Little Pony songs. That's not Jesus. That's not Christianity. The difference between the gospel and everything else is your life will move forward. That's the difference. When I, when I didn't receive Jesus, I would go round and 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 round. Nothing would change. I would go down and I couldn't get back up or it would take me forever to get back up. When I received Jesus, I go forward. I go up, I go down, I go all around, but I still go forward. You understand? And I don't sink. I walk through what used to, I used to sink in because my inheritance is not destruction. My inheritance is life. He will multiply your influence. God's desire in you giving more arenas of your life to him is to increase your influence. Increase your ability to influence. The influence within you and the influence through you. That's God's desire. Jesus has won a great victory, in case you don't know. Jesus has won a great victory. The Bible says he came and took back the keys of hell and the grave. He disarmed the devil. That's who enslaves you. If your life don't belong to Jesus, ring, ring, clue phone, Merry Christmas. If you don't belong to Jesus, you belong to Satan by default. You say, I don't believe in Satan. It doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. That is the law within the spirit world. Christ alone is Savior. Man cannot coexist in and of himself. You do not have mastery of your own soul. You do not. Somebody owns you. Jesus or the devil. And the devil will express it through many forms. You say, I'm an atheist. You belong to the devil. You say, I'm a Buddhist. You belong to the devil. You say, I'm a Scientologist. You belong to the devil. I'm just telling you to you straight. In Christ alone is salvation. There is no other name given under heaven by which men, women, children can be saved. None. 
It is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in this life and in the next. It's the truth. If there are many ways to God, then Christ died in vain and the son was sent to be brutally murdered for nothing. One way. Buddha didn't die for you. Christian didn't die for you. Tom Cruise isn't dying for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus alone. One name, one salvation, one door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am not a way, a truth, and a life, Jesus said. He is the only way. The only way. Come on. No gift like that. He is one of victory. And you know what he does? He calls us back to him. He calls us back to him. And he gives us, when you come back to him, he gives you the spoils of his victory. He gives you what's called an inheritance. Forgiveness of sin? Absolutely. Joy unspeakable and full of glory? Absolutely. He gives you his spirit. Jesus won a victory so he can impart his spirit. Hello. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you don't know who the Holy Spirit is, shame on you. That's your New Year's resolution is find out who the Holy Spirit is and begin a relationship with him. Because Jesus divide, died to give you and rose to give you that spoil. And it is a victory beyond no other. He, he died to give you authority. No one has authority over me. I have authority. There's not one spirit. There's not one principality. There's not one power. There's not one circumstance that, does, that has authority over me. None. I'm a child of God. And everything that Christ has won, every victory that he has won, every enemy has, he has defeated, he has given it to me. And I stand in light of that victory. And if you're a Christian here today, you have that exact right. You divide the spoil of his victory. He wins it and gives it to you. Aren't you glad? Amen. Right? That iPhone 7 isn't going to do that for you. Come on. This is a gift like no other. Next slide. The yoke of Israel's burden, the staff and the rod of their goading has been broken off. Those who give come to Christ. Israel are the prince and the princesses of God. They're not just a physical nation. We're also a spiritual nation. Both. The staff, the burden of my life is broken. If you're not a Christian here this morning, the burden that is over your life can be broken. <laughs> if you are a Christian here this morning, there should, this evening, there should be no burden over your life. There's no burden that has authority over you. None. None. And say, well, why is it attacking? Why do I feel the pressure? Because you do not stand in your rightful place. You do not take your rightful position. God has given you the authority. Take it. Stop doing stupid things that you know are wrong and you inherit the wind. Begin to line yourself up and do what is right before the Lord and take authority over what is afflicting you. Take authority over it. Come on. The weight has been removed. The weight of guilt, the weight of inability. People go, I can do it myself. How's that working for you? New Year's resolutions. Can we try that one on? Right? We all have New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do it. In my own will, I'm going to do it. And then along about February, oh, I just could, I ain't got it. Just could do it. He's broken the power. He gives you his spirit to enable you to have power. Say this with me. I feel like I'm supposed to say this. We're going to say this. Say everything Jesus tells me to do is impossible. That's why I need the Holy Spirit. Every single thing he tells you to do is impossible. Follow me. 
That is completely impossible. Have you ever tried to follow Jesus in your own strength? It don't work. Get in the spirit and you can follow the Lord all day long. Forgive. Try that one on. Forgive. Right? Oh, I'll forgive, but I won't forget. Well, you're not forgiving, brother. Get in the spirit. You can forgive all day long. You know what I'm talking about? So what it says, everything he tells you to do is impossible. We have Christians trying to perform and trying to act out things that God has called them to do. And they love the Lord and they're trying to be this person and they can't and they fail and they fall back into guilt and fall back into shame and fall back into condemnation. If you, did, if you could do it by yourself, you wouldn't need him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You need his spirit. Begin to look to his spirit for the very thing that you need to do. Love your wife like Christ loved the church. How are we doing, guys? Are we doing all right with that one? No. You say, I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, should we ask her? Should we interview her? How are you doing with that one? How's, how's your love? How's your love going? You got the love on there? Get in the spirit and you can love her. Honor your husbands, ladies. How's that one going? Oh, I think I do pretty good. Yeah, should we ask him? Should we interview him? See how you're doing with that one? Get in the spirit and God will show you how to honor him. God will show you how to, how, to, how to respect him. He'll show you. Say he doesn't deserve respect. Well, God will show you something about him that you can honor. God will show you something about him that you can respect. She doesn't deserve love. Well, get in the spirit and the Lord will show you something about her that you can love. Get in the spirit and God will show you. He will show you. You can't do it. Freedom, man. This is what this gift of Christ is all about. The rod of your goading, the rod of the things that controlled you, the rod of the things that used to abuse you has been broken no more. As in the days of Gideon, Gideon was eating, eating crumbs, hiding it because the enemy, every time Gideon and his people tried to do something, the enemy came in and stole everything from them. Every time they sowed a seed and tried to grow a harvest, the, they, somebody came and took all the harvest away. Can I get a witness? Every time I tried to get things going right, everything started going wrong again. Why is that? God broke the power of the enemy in the days of Gideon. And what the prophet is telling us is the same thing. Through Christ, there should be no more ravaging of the fields. There should be no more hiding in the rocks. Eating, our, eating grain, hiding. Hiding not just from, who, hiding not just from our, our life, but hiding from who we really are. Christ is called to awaken you to who you really are. Save you, yes but awaken you to who you really are. Every trampling warrior's boot and every armor shall become fuel for the fire. Every weapon, this is the promise in Christ, every weapon that is formed against you will, will not prosper. And every tongue that rises against you shall be condemned. This is the heritage of who? The servants of the Lord. Come on. The prophet is saying the same thing. Every single thing that works against you will become fuel for a fire. Every violent act, every, tome, every garment that is rolled in blood. Some of you, you've had circumstances, you've had life has beat you to a pulp. Can I get a witness? And if you haven't had that experience, you probably just haven't lived long enough. <laughs> what the Bible says is everything that has come against you will become fuel for your fire. And says it in Romans, God works everything out to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is exactly what the prophet is saying. This is a promise in Christ and it was foretold long ago. What the enemy tries to do to you will become fuel for you to become who you are. If you will look to the Lord. 
If you will look to yourself, well, there ain't much hope there. If you look to your circumstances, there's not much hope there. But say it with me. There is always hope in Jesus. Always. Always, 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 always. There is hope in Christ. Always. Life tries to bring you under. Jesus will bring you over. Come on. Excuse me for a moment. <laughs> when, say it with me. When life tries to bring me under, Jesus has a plan and a purpose to bring me over. I must look to Jesus, call upon Jesus, and he will execute the plan. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Say this with me. For every setback, Jesus has a comeback. That's right. That's right. No defeat, Christian. No defeat. No defeat. We're not walking around with our tails between our legs. We're a victorious people. We may get set back, but guess what? We got to come back. Uh-huh. Say this with me. I may have been set back. You better look out. Because I'm coming back. Come on. We love the comeback story, don't we? Why do we love the comeback story? Because it's in the gospel. The gospel's a story of the comeback. It's not over yet. Only way you lose, Christian, is if you quit. That is the only way the Christian loses. Why would you want to be anything else but a believer in Christ? If I cannot be defeated by anything except me quitting, who else can do that? No one. You always thought you were Superman or Supergirl. Now I'm proving it to you. You can't be defeated. Be not in weary, do be not weary in your well-doing, for in due season you might reap. No, you will reap if you faint not. You will achieve and you will succeed. If you will continue doing what is right before the Lord, you will reap the harvest so long as you don't quit. That's a promise. Next slide. How is it possible? How in the world is all this possible? For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The Bible says to us. Jesus is given to the whole world. Your name's in the Bible. Did you know that? No. You're a whosoever. Your name is in the Bible. The child is given to whosoever will. Whosoever will. See, there's a partnership there. Jesus doesn't do for you. You have to partner with him. It's available, but you actually got to engage it. You actually have to partner with what he's done. We think Jesus is going to do it all. He's already done it all. You've got to partner with what he's done. A child is born. Jesus came in weakness. He didn't come as a king in a chariot. He came in weakness. Why? Because he's identifying with you. Did you know that? He became a baby, a weak little baby. Because he wanted you to know, I understand what it's like to be you. And he also sent a message and said, devil, you can't defeat me even on your best day. Okay? I got both hands tied behind my back and I'm on my knees and you still can't win. For this reason, the Son of God was manifested. He would destroy the works of the devil. Literally means openly destroy them. He came to destroy the power of the devil that has been exercised over the lives of human beings since the fall of man. That power is only broken in Christ. Only. Come on. He came in weakness. The Son is given to do what? To defeat the enemy. Jesus came to defeat the enemy. Never forget that. 
Why is there evil in the world? Because there's a fallen angel. There's a devil. We seem to have forgotten about the devil in church. We've forgotten about, what, we've forgotten about sin, and we've forgotten about the devil. And we think everything is just the sovereign will of God. Uh-uh. If it was the sovereign will of God, every person would be saved. God wills that none should perish, but all should inherit eternal life. That is the sovereign will of God. Will all inherit eternal life? No, they won't. There's an enemy in this world. There's a devil that has fallen who resists the things of God. He has no power through the life of the believer. There's also something called sin. You have in you sin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sin nature. Paul says that what dwells in me is a body of death. I know that which dwells in me is no good thing. Who will deliver me? Jesus Christ. You're your own worst enemy. Can I get a witness? You say things you don't want to say. You, you do things you don't want to do. You feel ways that you don't really want to feel. You're your own worst enemy. Right? I didn't say there wasn't good in you. Well, we're all just good people. Yeah, but we're all so evil. Turn the news on, man. We're insanely selfish and self-destructive. We need a savior. The son is given. Do you know why he's given? Not just to defeat the enemy and the power that he has over you, but to bring you back into family. Did you know that? Jesus came to bring you back. God created a son and a daughter named Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve ran away, burned the house down, renounced their father and created a void between them and their father. And all y'all are descendants of Adam and Eve. All of us are. And we bear in us the same nature that they had. We run from the Lord, not to him. And so Jesus came to bridge the gap. We had created the void and God created the bridge for us to come back to him. And when you come back to Christ, you are restored to a son or a daughter before your father. You're not just a servant. We're servants of Christ, yep. We're friends of Christ, yep. But you know what the high calling is? Come on, help me out. You come to this church, you should know this. The high calling is what? Son and daughter. Son and daughter. Our high calling is sons and daughters. You are restored back into a family. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. You're not, you don't have to work and relate to the Lord based upon your performance. My son on his worst day is still my son. Your daughter on your worst day is still your daughter. Am I right? You don't have to relate back to your father based upon performance. It's not about what you do. It's what he's done. Then all it is is, well, if I'm a son before the Lord, what does it mean to be a son before the Lord? If I'm a daughter before the Lord, what does it mean to be a daughter before the Lord and live from that? The Bible says the government is upon their salvation. Well, here it is. For it is fitting to him to whom all things are, are given that he would bring many sons and daughters to glory. Jesus came to bring sons and daughters home. That's the point. Bring them home. Back to the Father's house. The government is upon his shoulders. He's the government of heaven. He is and shall always be the ruling authority. The government that is upon Jesus' shoulders is the government of heaven. And here we go, Christian. That government of heaven is bestowed to the church. You want to know why the rulership and the thunder of God or the role of God or the government of God is not imparted to our world? Because the church bears the government of heaven upon them. Christ is the head. He is the government of heaven and he's released the government of heaven to the church. We are the ruling and reigning authority upon the earth in the spirit. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. You say, I don't even know what that means. Most of us don't. He tells us what we are. And we don't even know what it means. We're supposed to move forward and figure it out. What does it mean? Why doesn't God do something about Africa? He has. 
He died, rose again, imparted his spirit, and called a group of people together called his body. If his body won't get up and do anything, doesn't matter what he wants. Do you understand how this works? We are the ruling, reigning, governing authority of heaven upon the earth. Next slide. You don't believe me? Where does this authority express itself? He put all things under his feet, and Christ is the head of all things, which is the church, and the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, you could be hungry, right? And your head could go, hey, I want a sandwich out of the refrigerator. But your feet might go, man, I ain't getting up and making a bologna sandwich. I'm not getting up and making that sandwich. I'm not going to get up and make that Cuban sandwich. I'm not going to get up and press the bread. I don't feel like it. Your head can want it all day long, but if your body won't get up and go, you're not getting a sandwich. You know that? Jesus can want to do a lot of things in the earth, but if the body won't get up and go, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. It's just the truth. His name shall be called this what? Okay, so here it is. We are the expressed authority. Jesus bears the government of heaven. He's bestowed it and imparted it to the church. This is what we have to understand. And here's what else you have to understand. Say this with me. His name shall be, name shall be called, called. Wonderful. wonderful. Counselor. Counselor. Mighty, God. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. And Prince of Peace. What does this mean? You ready? Say it with me. He must be called upon. That's right. You have to call upon him. God's digits. You guys want Jesus' phone number? Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not of. If you ain't calling, he ain't showing. If you don't call, he isn't given. This is how it works. We have not because we ask not. These are key principles within the scripture. We think Jesus is going to do it by default. No, it won't. He won't come into your marriage unless you ask him. He's not coming into your work life unless you ask him. He's not coming into your emotional life unless you ask him. He ain't going to clean out all your emotional baggage and junk unless you ask him. He's not going to heal all the wounds of your past unless you ask him. He's not going to move you into destiny unless you ask him. You have to call upon him. Well, God's just going to do it. No, he's not. No, he's not. You must call upon him. What do you need? You need counsel? You need a wonder? Anybody here need a wonder? Say it with me. Jesus is wonder full. He's full of wonder. You need a miracle? That's a wonder. Say, what's a wonder? When Jesus does something, you go, wonder how that happened. We had a lady here worse tonight, healed in her inner ear. She had crystals in her inner ear. Completely healed. A toe touching, whole thing. Everybody's like looking like crickets, crickets, crickets. I mean, we see a lot of healings. Ooh, that was one of them. And I knew what it was. That was a wonder. Everybody's sitting there wondering, how'd that happen exactly? How did that happen? Because the body of Christ understands the government of heaven that it carries, and we exercise the authority that we have, and we actually see the government of heaven released. He's counselor. You need counsel? Call on the Lord. You're not smart enough to figure it out. I don't care what college you went to. Nothing against college. I don't care who your family is. You're not smart enough. You're not. You need counsel and you need wisdom. And if you think you're smart, God's going to allow you to be confronted with circumstances that you have no answer to. He'll teach you to call upon him. He'll teach you. You can go the short road or you can go the long road. But he's going to teach you. You need him. Every minute of every hour of every day, he will teach you to call upon him. We need him. He's the mighty God. The God of all miracles. There is not, the, Jesus said, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Answer, no. 
Say, I'm in an impossible situation. Have you invited Jesus into that situation? Have you? Have you? Invite him into the situation. He spins planets on his fingers. I think he can handle your problem. I think he can help you. I think he can actually know some of the things that when God does it for you and he helps you, you know what he does? He gives you wisdom. That's one of the first impartations he gives you. He shows you a way out. And we go, well, why doesn't he just fix it? Because he wants to partner with you along the way. He wants to relate to you along the way. So he'll tell you a step. And you go, well, that doesn't fix my problem. No, but it steps you towards the solution to your problem. So why don't you take the step that the Lord is showing you and then ask him for the next step? Could it be? Just a question. He's the everlasting father. You're not orphans. We have a fatherless generation and a fatherless nation. So over 60%, the numbers are up even, and it's probably closer to 70. 70% of people in America will grow up without fathers. It's true. It's absolutely true. We have an orphan generation. Jesus is, the father is a father to the orphan. What does a father do? He protects you. Anybody need protection? Come on. Anybody need provision? That's what fathers do. Anybody need promotion? That's what fathers do. The role of the father is to take their children to the next level. That's the role of the father. The role of the mother is to nurture. The role of the father is to guide, encourage, and validate. That's the role of the father. My wife and I were just talking at the dinner table about parenting. God help us. I don't know anybody who's, who's parented that wants to sit down and write a book. I don't, I don't really believe that I just know. And it's like, but we have had people actually ask us, how have you done it? And I'm like, well, because, you know, sometimes from your own perspective, you don't seem like you've, you don't feel like you've done enough. And I, I, Sharon and I were talking. I said, I'm convinced if we just understand our roles that God has created for us in the most basic way and we just live, even if it's primitive, and we just live from our basic roles, we'll succeed. If the father understands, if a father understands what his role is, and he just, even if he just one plus one equals two lives out of that role, he's going to succeed. I didn't, I didn't say your kids are going to do all the right things, but you're going to succeed as a father. If the mother who understands her job is to love, to nurture and support, she understands that, that support system that she is, and she even does that towards her children, one plus one equals two, she's going to succeed. You don't have to be a uh, a, a child psychologist to succeed with raising kids. God has ordained certain things. And if we just understand that, we, we'll, 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 we'll succeed. Jesus will promote you. He's the Prince of Peace. You need peace? He's the Prince of Peace. Peace in the Bible means success in every area. Peace, yes, is peace of feeling. Yes, you can feel peace. Well, guess what that is? That's success in your emotions. When everything's still in your heart and everything, you're just like, yeah, this is cool. You're succeeding and you're, you're prospering in your emotions. That's peace. But the peace that the Bible speaks of is that same thing in every arena of your life. Last slide. We're going to worship. We're going to take communion as well. Last slide. The increase of his government, there shall be no end. He sits upon the throne of David. Where does Jesus rule? Where does Jesus want to put his government? What does he, how is this going to happen the throne of David. The throne of David in the Bible is not just a physical throne. It is the physical throne where all of the kings of Israel, even though Israel doesn't have a king right now, and that's a whole other story, but there's a, there's a line of kings that existed in the nation of Israel, and they descended from a guy named David.
from the throne of David, Jesus will rule. He's a descendant of David as well. But this, Bible, this is speaking prophetically that the government of heaven flows from the throne of David. The throne of David within the individual is the throne of your heart. David was a man after God's own heart. David ruled his life by a heart that pursued God. The government and the exercising of God's ability within your life is directly related to how much of your heart you have surrendered to him. And I'm not just talking about being born again. Okay? We should be well past that as Christians because all y'all should know if you're a believer that you can give Jesus your heart. And there's lots of other places where he ain't ruling or there's certain portions of your heart where he doesn't own. He may have you saved, but he doesn't own your attitude. He doesn't, there's a lot of other things about you he doesn't own. And so Jesus will rule and he will increase his dominion from the throne of your heart. He's in the throne of your heart. You have to give more and more yourself away to him. But he's safe. And whatever you give, he's got something way better for you. Come on. Ever-increasing dominion, peace from the throne of the heart. He will uphold justice and righteousness now and forevermore. God is passionate about these things. It's quite a gift, right? And you think Jesus was just a baby born in a manger, right? He's far more than that. Far more than that. In Christianity, the gift that Christ comes to bring to the world in the form of himself is far more than just saving people and forgiving their sins. That's a very important part, and I don't diminish that. But I think especially in America, we understand that, but we don't understand a whole lot of the other stuff. That's why we keep singing Ring Around the Rosy. You know, we keep going back to this one thing, and you say, well, that's important. Of course it's important, but there's a whole lot more. If Jesus didn't have more for me, then why didn't he save me and take me to heaven immediately? Because there's a lot more that I'm supposed to be and do. He called me in to be a son and a, a son before him. Some of y'all are daughters. He called me into that life and he called me to break, bring weight to the world. Say this with me. Jesus' plan, Jesus plan for, my life, for my life after I've received him, received him is, to me is to move me from survival, from survival to, success, to success to significance. significance. My, journey my journey is dependent upon how much of my heart I'm willing to give. Eh? Christian will always survive because God's promised it. The survival isn't enough for the Lord. He wants to move you to success. What's success? Enough for you and enough to share. That's what success is. That's Bible's definition of success. You have more than enough. Success is you have it and you have enough to share. Significance is, is when the world knew you lived. Anybody want, to, want the world to know you lived? Maybe your world is your neighborhood. Maybe your world is your schoolyard. Maybe your world is relative. But significance means you mattered in life. And God wants to journey you into these places. Quite a gift, right? Do you believe it? I speak truth to you tonight. I speak gospel. Nothing but good news. So what we're going to do right now, Jody, we're going to take communion. And then we're going to sing some worship songs. And at the communion table, so we'll just, we'll, we'll play the pads and then let everybody get communion. We'll take it together.